And I'm going to start in three, two, one. Hello, my friends. My name is Hawa Tankara. I am a junior at Barnard College studying economics. And welcome to the H-Suite Chats. So today's guest is the lovely Miss Jade. How are you, Jade? I'm great. Thanks. Good. Thank you so much for coming. So Jade is a junior at Barnard College studying economics and urban studies sustainability. Am I right there? Mm -hmm, she mm -hmm. speaks a little bit of Spanish, Miss Thing. She traveled to China this summer. We're going to get to that. Let's start off with the basic question, Missy. How did you kind of, you know, going backwards, get to here? And by here, I mean specifically Barnard. So what was your high school experience like? Why did you come and choose Barnard to be your college of choice? Let's walk, up, let's walk through that. Yeah, I think high school for me was sort of an average experience. I come from a high school in Westchester, Mount Vernon, which is predominantly like a black and Hispanic population. So coming to Barnard was definitely really different because um, we do have a diverse population, majority white majority Asian. So yeah, just like choosing to come here, it was the only school that I applied to, <laughs> really, actually. Did you do ED? Mm -hmm, yeah. Okay. Explain to us what ED means for those who may not know, because there are some high school audience members. Mm -hmm. So ED is early decision, and that's where you're just like 100% sure that you want to go to this school. You apply early, and if you're accepted, then you, unless you cannot afford the school, then you're like locked in just about um, but if you really do not, if you decide that you don't want to come anymore, then you uh, withdraw your application and then you're able to apply to other schools after. So ED means that you don't apply anywhere else, that you're set on this school. And if everything goes wrong, then you apply to other schools. Yeah. And ED has an earlier application deadline. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. So wait, why ED though? You were like, I see Barnard. This is where I'm going to be. I'm just a person who doesn't. It's like good and bad that I don't, I'm just like set. I know what I want and I'm set in understanding that I'm going to do everything that I can to reach this goal. Yeah, my dad uh, attended Columbia University. So I'm like, um, well, I came set that I wanted to do environmental engineering, but my, my sc high school counselor advised me that I would probably not like the C's environment. Um, so... I like looked over um, and I saw Barnard and I was really attracted to just the environment and the community because like, of course it's a much smaller um, community. I really loved that Barnard specifically empowered women and I loved, loved out of all things that they had such a, um, the school just has a wide requirement, so, like set of requirements that you get to really explore just about any um, field. The, at that time, when I first was looking, it was the nine ways of knowing. But our requirements now for like the younger generation of Barnard students, you still get to try new things. And that's something that I strive for, being a well-rounded person. Nice. All righty, sis. That's a good way to put it. I think similar to me, I think Barnard has a nice vibe to it. It's great. <laughs> you're awesome. So moving into kind of now you're here, you are currently majoring once again in economics and urban studies sustainability that's like a nice 
interdisciplinary major and you put a lot of things together. So can, can you walk me through that decision itself and also how you came about thinking this, this is what I want to major in, like this is what I want to do. So starting at a young age, I've always been passionate about the environment. I, as I said before, I wanted to be an environmental engineer, but I began thinking of how the environment, like what motivates people to disregard the environment. And I think just the um, desire for economic profit. So I decided that it would be the best way to understand how I can remedy the problems is to have an understanding and background in both um, economics and what drives people. Yeah, just an understanding of what drives people to make purchases, to invest in certain uh, businesses, that kind of thing, but also having the background of the environmental science side and just sustainable efforts in just making things green, making things more environmentally conscious. And then having the understanding of both, I can remedy the two seemingly opposing fields, how they can come together. Yeah, that's a nice way to put it. I like how you put your interests all together. So can you actually walk me through, because I, I mean, this is actually a, a unique major, right? Or do people, I don't see people really doing that. So like, what does the coursework look like? Is it like a lot of things you have to kind of be like, consider? Was it a major? Did you did you make up this major? Or is this like an actual track you can follow? You know, some people like combine majors and are like, this is my new major. Mm-hmm. Like walk me through that process. Well, Barnard has different tracks for economics economics majors. There's economics, 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 mathematics, economics, political science, which is what I'm doing, um, and economics, social history, which I also found out is actually incredibly interesting, but I'm sticking to where I am. So that's one major that you can choose. You can decide which which you're more interested in. And for economics, there are set classes that whichever track you take, you'll be uh, required to take those classes. But then if you're doing social history, then you'll take history classes and look at it, look at the history classes through an economic lens or whichever way, or like math classes, the mathematics track is more math heavy, of course. So then that's one separate major. And then my second major is the urban studies sustainability. And that's just looking at the ways that the urban environment is set up. So like actually like architecturally constructed, um, demographically constructed, and how this can be sustainable, both in terms of population and environmentally. So yeah, in that, we take classes about urban studies, so intro to urban studies, but then you also have classes that you can take about just the urban environment altogether. So like my two favorite classes so far for my time here has been urban space and conflict in the Middle East. And that's one class that talks about just the dynamics of urban life in the Middle East, in that region of the world. So that's like part of it. And then for the urban, that's the urban studies part. And then sustainability, then you can take your elective classes in environmental science regarding climate change, the way that um, the environment works, just sustainable efforts going green. So then there's a lot of, there's a lot of flexibility in what you can choose to do in these two majors, which I really love. Nice. And you have such a unique and interesting dual major thing going on, but where do you see yourself kind of taking that moving forward? Like, how do you go out into the workforce with that? Uh, where, what projects you're working on that relate to that major specifically? Well, so after graduation, I have two plans. The first would be to go into finance and definitely taking my passion for sustainability and caring for the environment 
into that uh, business sector in terms of just encouraging um, the higher-ups, just just all of our business plans um, at whatever firm I work at to invest and partner with companies that have an understanding and regard for their influence, whether that be positive or negative, on the environment. So focusing and pouring our energy, our, our efforts, our investments into other companies, organizations that care for the environment and have integrity in that aspect. And then after that, like my long term and just my great love is to eventually build tiny homes, which are homes which are roughly like 100 to maybe about 400 square feet. And they are all around like self-sufficient homes. So within that small bit of space, you have um, your sleeping area, your kitchen, your dining room, your your like living area. Everything's contained in that. And it's a sustainable way of living in terms of the way that it's constructed in that everything has solar panels or specific kind of water heating, that kind of thing. But also it's sustainable in just encouraging people to live smaller and being content in what we have already, that we're not living in the consumerism lifestyle of excess, but just scaling back and taking the time to appreciate what we have and appreciate the environment that we live in. Yeah. And you know what's funny about that? Or not funny, but you know what's interesting about those two tracks is one could lead to the other. Like, Mm -hmm. I definitely can see one... Like, have you ever looked into, for example, a lot of companies currently, a lot of big corporations are looking into SRI, SRI Socially Responsible Investing. And they actually have divisions that focus on socially responsible investing on the firm's part, where the firm itself is using whatever money they have in their treasury to invest responsibly. And also we have organizations that help other people who are like managing other people's money or other other corporations' money in investing in companies that have green-oriented mindsets or like they're investing in the correct things Mm -hmm. so green bonds socially responsible investing which is something i was actually i'm looking into currently as well just for the socials part Mm -hmm. i mean i love Mm -hmm. the esg important and esg as a whole is just a growing issue Mm -hmm. in these big corporations because well guess what your consumers are concerned the people your investors are concerned so you have to be concerned now but the only thing i can the only two cents i have on that is sometimes the message can be there and the implementation is there it's just the right people aren't implementing it in the correct way. That's just my outsider's in viewpoint, and you are the right person. So hopefully when you go into these places, you can fix that issue. But that's interesting. Nonetheless, I like that. I, I, and I think you can do both, if not more. You, yeah. probably, you probably will. I believe in you. For sure. For sure. <laughs> Alrighty, sis. So kind of bringing it back onto campus a little bit, I like asking this question about whether or not your initial mindset of what college would be like has that changed now that you've you know done your two years and you're going into your third year? Was college is college the way you expected it to be? And if not, how so? Well, I think going back to my decision in coming here, I was not offered as much financial aid as I expected or like really needed because I I just messed up my financial application, um, FAFSA or CSS profile, so that was incredibly discouraging for me, and I spent. A lot of well, my mom still made me come because she's from the Caribbean, from St. Vincent, and she just truly didn't have all the opportunities that I had. She came to America at 18 years old with no family, like no understanding of this culture. Um, So she just wanted the best for me. She knows this is an amazing school, very reputable, and she just wants. She wanted me to have this because she didn't have it. So 
nevertheless, I spent my first year just really regretting because she is a single parent having her pay for yeah having her pay for it was just really hard on me and because of that I spent I spent my time regretting college and just resenting being here which is what I didn't expect I wanted to come here and love it but I think as time went on I became a lot more grateful in understanding that because I'm here let me rather than moping spend the time doing stuff that will make this worth the money and worth the experience. So my past year here, well, I say my freshman year wasn't completely terrible, but um, my past year um, and going, I hopefully going forward, I expect college to be, you know, fantastic. Just in terms of the friends that I've made, I came in understanding that this is a place where we want to succeed academically, but more than that, I wanted to grow both spiritually and mentally, emotionally, all kinds of ways. So college has really been that for me because it's something that I've focused on. And I think if you listeners out there, if you come into college with a mindset of what you want to grow in, which aspects of your life you want to grow in, and you put the time and effort into that, then of course it's it's going to be like your growth and your time here is going to follow that pattern of like what you put your time and energy in is what's going to come out. Yeah, that's really good advice, Miss Jade. Alrighty, but I, I love how you touched on things that you've work, worked on this past year or so because you've worked on a lot. Let's let's name a few and let's 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 unpackage. Let's mm-hmm. unpackage the things that you've been able to work on. Like the event that I'm most familiar with because you actually invited me to to kind of record it is the No More Names event. And mm-hmm. we can speak on that in, in a bit as well. Barnard Sustainability, working on that project. You've designed for the Afropolitan. We can talk about that as well. But mm-hmm. let's kind of go back to the No More Names. What was that event for? Why did you decide that it was important that this event happened at this time? Yeah. And what have you seen as a result of the event and actual current events that are currently happening? Yeah. That was a, a long winded question. But <laughs> yes, you're smart. You got this. Um. Yeah, so this past uh, February, I put on a panel discussion and student showcase performance. The whole event was called No More Names, which is just referring to the demand that there are no more names of um, black and brown people being written in like a name book of people to be remembered who have faced police brutality. The purpose of the event was to raise more awareness among the student body about what has been going on and the concrete actions that we can take to ensure that there are no more names being added to the list. So part of the event was that we had Eric Garner, um, who we mostly all know uh, was a victim of police brutality. His daughter came along with Etan Thomas, an athlete who is just really into activism and uh, received many awards for the books that he's written about it. Um, They came to have a panel discussion about what we as students can do and just answer students' questions. And I think something that brought me a lot of joy that night is that usually in panel discussions, um, students, they zone out, they like go on their phone, just like observing from the audience. I don't think anyone that night 
um, spent any time on their phone talking. They were, everyone was just captivated by the conversation that was going on. And I feel like it was really fruitful in motivating and encouraging our student body to take more action. And this was this came at a very important time because we recently at Barnard had an incident where one student was targeted by public safety, just not treated fairly for not showing his ID walking through walking through the gates. They assumed because of his skin color that he wasn't a student or that he didn't belong in this environment. So I think the event really related a lot to just the common things that we go through as um, people of color. And it allowed people to have a platform to talk about their feelings around this issue. And are you guys going to have another, is this going to be like an anniversary type of thing where every year we have some version of the No Name, No More Names event? Or was it kind of like a one-time thing and kind of hoping that something else comes out of it? No, definitely. We're planning to have another one coming up. I'll, I'll decide more whether it's better to have it in um, Black History Month or just any part throughout the year. And something else that I want to do is actually start the No More Names Club on campus because it originally started on Harvard's campus by uh, Chris Eggie. And we're all just working as a team to expand it to the other Ivy Leagues and pass that to the schools outside, even high schools, to just give young the younger generation um, a platform to, to uh, protest and participate in activism Alrighty, so we'll we'll get, we'll keep you guys up to date with that one my listeners definitely i'll post about it what we'll, we'll definitely advertise it as much as possible so thank you jared Alrighty, sis <laughs> so barnard sustainability we know you're interested in it we know you are a sustainable little mama but uh so <laughs> yeah i'll cut that out we know you love we know you we know you are working closely with barnard on our sustainability mission. I know Barna loves talking about it a lot, but what does that actually entail for you? Mm-hmm. So I'm working with the Barnard Sustainability Department to plan events and initiatives to make Barnard a more green campus in ways such as like reusing containers or bringing your own coffee mugs to the cafes that we have on campus. But also, those are like smaller initiatives, but then there's also a larger event that we planned this past spring, which was a thrift store on campus where um, students were able to donate their clothes um, that they didn't want. So practicing the idea of letting go and downsizing what we don't need. And then other students were able to buy those clothes at next to nothing Not only was this an opportunity to practice recycling clothing, it was also an opportunity for students to learn about upcycling clothing. So one thing that we did is having a student design challenge, which is where three groups, three um, teams of students were able to look through the clothing and choose um, pieces that they wanted to use to make a larger piece based on a prompt that we set for the students. And then they were judged on creativity, like use of different materials. The three teams were were judged by um, reputable designers within the fashion industry. So we had Deborah Drew from WRI come, also Calixto Galan, who's a really great designer working specifically with reusable clothing. 
and there was also Dejassi Johnson and other designers or fashion gurus who came to judge these students' work, and the students were able to get prizes and just have a sense of pride in learning about how to take clothing that other people may find to be garbage and make it into something that's wearable, that's unique, that's beautiful. And yeah, I think that was a really great time. And then apart from the students who were shopping, the students who were participating in the design challenge, there was also workshops that students could go to to teach them how to mend clothing, how to do alterations, sew on a button, hem pants, different things that not everyone has the experience in. But if you were to learn, it would, be, it would make it easier for you to thrift shop and then make that, those clothing, those pieces of clothing into things that you could use in the future. All right. And then where did the proceeds from the thrift shop go? Like, did it go to like a charity? Did it go back to the school? Did it go back to the people who gave the clothing back or gave the clothing to the event? Yeah. So the money went to furthering Barnard Sustainability um, Department. And then the clothing that we used that was un- unsold was also donated to different charities. We kept um, coats to have a coat drive actually for for organizations outside of school, but also the, there's a coat drive that we plan to have when the school year starts because we know that some students are coming from Florida or California and they don't have um, coats. So um, coming to the cold weather of New York, we're trying to provide the opportunity for them to get what they need at a low cost. That's amazing. And I'm glad that it was a successful event, honestly. And Coat Drive, okay, happening in January. So hopefully this podcast comes out by then. (laughs) (laughs) That's the number one thing. So people know that it exists. All right. So, and then last but not least, Afropolitan. It was actually my, you know, it's funny. It was my first Afropolitan last semester. Like, I didn't go to the Afropolitan the year before just because I didn't know about it. So funny because I'm African. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm Gambian American. But, like, I was just like, Afropolitan exists? (laughs) What? Why did I not know about that? So can you give us a little spiel about what Afropolitan is and then how you got involved with it and being a designer, too, because you did a fantastic job, I do say so myself. Thank you. Um, Afropolitan is a cultural event that just allows the students on campus to show up and show out for real. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so Afropolitan is a showcase of the talent. So we have um, dancers, we have poets, we have singers, like really amazing talent on campus and off campus. We have people come on. Uh, to put on this show that African and non-African students. Yeah, 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 for sure. Like Afro, like Afro, what is it? What was the word for it? Um, Afro. Not Afro-Latino, but like the African diaspora, mm-hmm. yeah. basically. Yeah. Like just the whole diaspora. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm, I'm Caribbean descent, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like, it's just... And even, you know, even the allies are showing up. <laughs> right, even the allies popped up. I was like, what's popping? Yeah. So, um... Yeah, it's just an opportunity for people to come out and just fellowship with each other and uh, get to talk, learn, learn about like a culture they may not know about or just relish in the culture that they come from and love so much. Um, So there's the showcase of the of the talent. There is the fashion show, which I got to model and design for. And then there is just delicious food and people 
in amazing clothing. I went to Afropolitan my first year and I didn't realize that it was such a, a um, like a dress up event. I showed up in like jeans and like a t-shirt, but people were still so welcoming to me. <laughs> but um, like this past year, the freshman class, I was so proud of them. They just <laughs> were wearing, so now. yeah, they looked beautiful, all of them. So um, yeah, it's just a, a time of admiration, just fun. So my friend Taiba, oh, my good friend Taiba, my best friend. She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I love Taiba. Taiba, shout out to Taiba. Shout out Taiba. Love you, girl. Yeah, so, um, yeah, she's really, like, heavily involved in ASA, which is African Students Association, and helping plan Afropolitan. And then she knows that I'm a designer and just really interested in, in fashion. So she asked me to design the swimsuit set for Afropolitan. And that was such a treat for me because I've done a few pieces for other students on campus, people who like wanted custom orders. I mostly do like gowns. So it was this was an opportunity for me to do and really like focus on casual wear. And I found a real love for it. And I made pieces for both guys and girls, the swim swimming trunks, and then two pieces for women, high-waisted, with with um, straps, no straps. It was just a time for me that I was able to like channel my creativity in something that people ultimately really enjoyed and supported me, and I was able to sell pieces after that. What were some of the challenges that you faced, you know, being the designer? Also, you, you also sewed, you also, you also made the clothes, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So. Yeah. What were some of the challenges in that? Scheduling challenges, actually getting people to do the thing, getting people dressed and all that fun stuff. Like, what were some of the like, more technical or challenging parts of that experience? Do you remember, like, what was happening? How, what, that I had to do everything in, like, two days? Yeah, because you were, you, were, you were a student. I remember that I, was, I had to finish everything in only two days. All the pieces. I think it's because you were just busy. I feel like we had, like, tests coming yeah. up. Okay, it was like, we, was we, it you final were being a student? I don't, I think it was, like, Late midterm season. Okay. Wait, when was Afropolitan? Was in what? May? No, it was in April. No, yeah, it was was in May. Yeah, it was close to the end of the school year. So yeah, maybe finals were coming up and projects. You know, like finals. Like I said, midterms or finals are got to be some of the most stressful times for college students. Yeah. So yeah, it's probably final season. And also, you're taking a bunch of classes. I feel like you're always taking like above eighteen credits every semester. How do you manage that? How do you survive and still have a smile on your face every single day, or most days? By the grace of God who strengthens me through everything. No, seriously. All right. That's a good way to put it. Way <laughs> no, put seriously. It. Um, but I, I just overall feel like I'm a person who doesn't really get stressed because I just look at the look at the possible results that would be happening. So if I, like, push my... It's, it, it also goes back to that I'm paying a lot for this place. <laughs> so I'm, like, um, just, like, push through, which is good and bad, but... I think overall I don't get stressed, but like even when I do get stressed, I'm like, okay, this is all for a purpose, a greater purpose, and it results in me learning. But back to Afropolitan, is that um, the biggest challenge was that I had to do all of the pieces in two days. And because this was final season, and I just pushed everything to the last minute, don't judge, but... (laughs) Procrastination is real. It is, it is. it's a stronghold that we have to like push through. So um, they originally just said only make a few pieces. And then more people, more models wanted to join the last minute who originally said they weren't comfortable 
modeling for swimwear and then they changed their mind at the last minute and then I made maybe five shorts for the guys and five matching pieces for the girls and then so many more guys came they were like bombarded me and they're like hey what do you want to model too and like oh can you make this make it like this short this cut and then I also was playing around with the idea of matching do-rags with some of the pieces and then they were all like oh can you make me a do-rag too it'll look so cool this that the other so um something that was really stressful is that even when I thought I was done then more people want they just asked for more from me and really done yeah and of course I want to please everyone so and it's also it's also a privilege when someone's excited to model your stuff excited to take part in in your brand, in your vision. So of course I'm gonna go out of my way to make those extra pieces. But it really reward. It was really rewarding in that it showed me all that I could do in the short bit of time. And I was really grateful for Barnard's facilities that they offer because there is the design center, which has so many things that we can do there in terms of like screen printing or um, like laser cutting, 3D printing, so many different things. But the main thing that I go there for is the sewing machine. So I was really grateful to have that because I don't have a sewing machine on campus. And the design center, once again, it's in Milstein. Milstein, mm-hmm. first level one. First floor, sorry, not level one. First floor. Yeah. So then I just had to work around their hours and like getting in, getting in at the right times to be able to finish. And there's also everybody loves the design center. So working around other people's schedules when they want to use the sewing machines, the sergers. But overall, it, t- it turned out uh, really well. Oh, it did, for sure. Phenomenal. And also, when you modeled and you stepped out, I was like, yes, <laughs> that's my jade. Yeah. It says, no, you, you did a phenomenal job. Phenomenal. I was there, I was there actually last minute, like kind of putting my two cents and trying to help you out. Yeah. How, Barely. I was like, oh, I designed too. I can help you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like to dabble. I like to learn. I wanted to be a part of the experience. I was like, I've never been a part of any experience like this. And, I, and, I, and I, that was where I was trying to start pushing my own boundaries. And I was like, let me try something new. Try to contribute. And why not? Like, if I like something nowadays, I'm more inclined to try it out. Mm-hmm. Are, we, are we looking at the next designer? for? No, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> we're not looking at the next designer. We're just looking at the next experimenter. Um, I'm the next Einstein. I'm joking. I'm glad that you let me be a part of that, even if it was just like a little bit. It was good. I appreciate mm-hmm. that experience for sure. Actually, you, you you brought me into a lot of experiences. Now that I'm thinking about, I'm like, you always have something new and cool for me to do. So I'm, I'm super grateful for that. And through these like many different things, like they're all very different in their own ways, but they all speak to who you are. Mm-hmm. Like the normal drama, the working with Barnard Sustainability, designing for Afropolitan, your creative spirit, period. And you, you see something that you don't like or you see something that you want to change or you see something you want to try and you tackle it and you're like this is this is going to change this is going to be done in the jade way the jade way is the way i know and it's the only way i know and that's an amazing thing so i i i, I what's the word for it i commend you on that yeah no for sure i mean I did all those things in just one year like I, i'm like looking at my list and i'm like i haven't even done one of those things you know what i mean like you did a lot and you did a lot of event oriented things because you wanted people to bring like you want to, you, you have your message, you have your thing, but bringing more and more people to that message and bringing more and more people to like that forefront, it's it's a it's a skill for sure. And drawing people towards your message is also very, very cool. So you do a good job of that. Thanks, Hala. For freaking sure.
But I also think that's one of the things that I love most about Barnard and Columbia both, because I have a lot of friends at Columbia as well. It's just that people here really just push you to be better. They really support you like support all of my stuff, Hala, and a lot of other of my friends at Barnard at Columbia. They see that you're interested in something, that you're passionate about something, and they encourage you and also provide you and remind you of new opportunities. So something else that like I'm working on that just thanks to the friends that I'm that I've met is working with a, an emerging fashion brand called Petronella Lux, which has been founded by. Um, Chelsea Miller, my good friend, <laughs> who just graduated Columbia. Yeah, and this is something that we're, that which ties really well into the the like mission and vision of Barnard as a whole is working to empower women. So Petronella Lux is a luxury clothing brand for the working class woman, and we're just working to reimagine the image that's portrayed of women. So we have brands like Fashion Nova, not to bash anyone, but they just give a particular image of women. And we at Petronella Lux want to truly portray women, especially women of color, in a different light that we are professional, that we are um, confident, sophisticated, and classy. And I think that's what we do through the clothing that we offer and also the programs that we offer like recently we just started the internship program 2019 internship program where we allow undergraduate and recent graduate women come onto the team to learn and gain skills and knowledge in what it takes to run a fashion brand but also just giving them experience in the different areas such as like public relations which is like Petronella Lux interacting with other with, with other brands and also media companies, also product management, finding the right manufacturers. So doing that research, that's like relating a bit to finance of uh, looking at the costs of working with a certain manufacturer. What's the profit um, margin in working with them and buying these clothes? Also the packaging, is this worth it? Is it worth it to get the extra bows? What kind of boxes that do we want? And... Um, Sustainability. Yeah. <laughs> like, where are you getting your actual, like, clothing from? Who's producing it? Who's manufacturing it? Are 100%. they sustainable? Are they doing the right things in practice? Mm-hmm. Are, yeah. Are they sustainable with the environment and with the people that we, use, that we use? Something that was big for the sustainability event on Barnard was just the idea of looking at the way that the workers, the textile workers in Bangladesh and um, the other areas how they're treated as humans so that's something that we are pushing at Petronella Lux for our interns our customers for ourselves to be more mindful of the companies that we work with and their integrity and their love for humans in general yeah that's so cool though look at you sis and you're talking about you want to go into finance oh please sis. you're a self-starter don't be like me don't be like me. I'm joking. You are you are someone that I aspire to be like how I'm done. <laughs> oh, thank you. Don't gas me. My ego's too big already. I'm just kidding. Really? <laughs> no, no, I don't no, I don't think I'm egotistical. I'm confident. I think people get that twisted sometimes. You can be confident, but you can still be humble. Once you cross that boundary of cocky, that's when you're like, All right, how put me in my place, please. Like yeah. you see me bordering to cocky, see me, slap me. Okay. <laughs> I'm joking. Do not giving me permission. I've given you permission to put me in my place, mm. okay? Mm. Just in case, just in case. You always need, you know, you always need those reality checks, right? All right, he says. So, guys, if you have any questions about Petrona, Petronella, how you pronounce Petronella it? Petronella Lux. Petronella Lux. Petronella.
Pachonala. Lux. Lux. I'll put it in the show notes so you know exactly what I'm referring to. Hit up Jade. We're going to have, so actually let me put it in now and then put it back in the end. But your contact information, if anyone has any questions about, like, let's say someone out there wants to be a designer for Afropolitan, like, hit up Jade. If you mm-hmm. are interested in Petronella Lux, hit up Jade. All these different things. You can hit up Jade. Where can they find you? <laughs> Where can they find me? Okay, well. Instagram, email. Oh, I was about to give my whole number. I was like, okay, no. Don't, <laughs> don't give your number. Don't give your number. Okay, um, my Instagram is at Jade, J-A-D-E, 1126, which is my birthday. If you would like to get me a gift, that's also... That's also welcome. <laughs> November 26th? Yeah. 99. Nice. Um, now I know. Yeah, so that's Instagram or email is jct2169 at barnard.edu. Mm-hmm. Perfect. All righty, guys. So if you want to reach out to her, that's her contact. All right, so this summer you went to China. Can you tell me a little bit more about that experience, what you did, what you learned from that experience as well? Yeah, so um, I traveled to China to teach... Students of all ages, English, because I, w- I think it's important that every person has the opportunity to influence and talk to as many people as possible. So if I could allow or like teach students English that they're better able to talk to other people in the future, then that'll be great. So I went to China not, not only to teach English, but also to like spread the love of Jesus. I know that a lot of students in China have a really like harsh educational system, educational environment. So just my whole team, the team that I went to China with, were really focusing on pouring love to the children, pouring love out to the kids so that they know that we're not just teachers. We're also their friends. We're their family. We're people who truly love them. The experience was definitely up and down (laughs) like it had it's overall really rewarding but it surely did have its challenges one thing I think one of the biggest things that I learned is just overall a lot about love in Beijing which is like the most like international city there people are used to seeing people who look like me (laughs) but like as part of the uh, teaching program we went to different cities so we went to like Shandong or Shangxi or Dezhou and those places are more in the countryside so people looked at me like they've never of course they've never seen a black person before and some people were were welcoming and other people were quite rude actually so I think something that I'm really grateful to learn is like that I actually had an experience of racial conflict because a lot of my um, friends on campus, they are, I guess, jaded towards having relationships with people of different racial background. And it's something that I have not ever been able to understand because, as I said before, I came from a predominantly black and Hispanic high school. And then coming here, all of my friends, all of my white friends or Asian friends are incredibly welcoming, loving. Yeah, we go to a liberal school, so that makes sense. Yeah, a lot of my friends here, because of their terrible past experiences, they don't want to have friendships with many people outside of the black community. And I think being in the environment in China where people didn't return the love that I showed them, they didn't return the love at all, or they were actually rude to me. I think I have a better understanding of what people on our campus face or like their past experience and I'm better able to relate to them and comfort them and show empathy that's not hopefully you don't turn jaded no no no. (laughs) what happened (laughs) (laughs) 
I love you because you're pretty. Corny on my list. Ah, that's so funny. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's a thing. Like, you're like, oh, I faced this. Now I'm like, oh, no. Now I can never talk to this person again. No. You know? But I think with that, I grew in my ability to show love or, like, my understanding okay. of that. Because um, it takes a lot to still be loving, still be kind to people who, you know, reject you ultimately or basically not ultimately but <laughs> basically basically it's a form yeah. of rejection but i feel like everyone needs to be rejected at one point mm-hmm. could you learn from both sides not always the high road it's not always that is that a thing did i just make that mm-hmm. up? that's good that's good yeah potential okay <laughs> we're good no that's good though i mean that, that how long were you in china for 37 days exactly but yeah some of those days were um just like transitioning, like we had orientation and we had debrief. So majority of the time was spent in the camps. We went to three different camps to teach students the first time I taught. Girls who I really loved, eight years old, who were really smart. I got to teach them. I thought of the opportunity as not only teaching English, but teaching character and values, deeper values. So some of the things that I taught them were like how to care for their bodies. So I taught them um, different kinds of exercise and what you should do, as well as what it means to eat healthy, um, the different kinds of foods. Because everyone, they have different English abilities. So I could teach them vocabulary and then past that for the higher level, I can go into um, the application of the vocabulary that they used. And then I also was able to teach them deeper, deeper meaning topics of like, what are the qualities of, of um, being a good person, which is like subjective, but just qualities such as love, um, patience, kindness, like self-control. And then I was also able to teach them how to live a life with purpose and I touched on it earlier, but that's a life with meaning, which is like your value in helping others, that your whatever you do should also have importance, which is that other people need what you're doing. If you did not do what you're doing, then other people would be worse off. And then lastly, that what you're doing has an impact to change the world, to change people's mindsets. So I think it was um, amazing to see the kids' response to those questions or to the lessons that I was teaching in that they... Some some students wanted to be um, maybe like business owners or going in, go into the petroleum um, industry. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> like, no, that's not, that doesn't go with my environmental agenda. Yeah, but a lot of other students wanted to be teachers. They wanted to be doctors. And they um, had an appreciation even for sanitation workers and um, construction workers who... Yeah, because it's this infrastructure. And yeah, that's, that's like, important. <laughs> it's important. Yeah, it is. so... I loved, I loved, I loved my time in China. Good. And did you learn any Chinese? You know the funny thing. Okay, because I know Spanish. Or Mandarin. Yeah, because yeah, mm-hmm. because I know Spanish. When I was in China, I was taught trying like my brain is just default. Because in New York, the like second most common language is Spanish. So like, is, if someone yeah. speaks to me in a foreign language, I'm like, okay, Spanish. Let me talk to them in Spanish. So that's what I was doing in China. I'm like, no, they did. That's not right, Jade. Yeah. Hola, cómo estás? <laughs> what is this now no and then once i came back like um like a hispanic woman starts talking to me and then i respond to her in chinese and i'm like i'm so why why is this my life (laughs) but i mean maybe that's like a trilingual now question mark no 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 i know i know a few things a few the kids were excited to teach me um and my other like co-teachers my partners all right so i mean Going back to the premise, you've done so many amazing things, and I'm pretty sure you have so much more in store. 
My question then is, how would you define success? Because success is so unique. It's multifaceted. I keep saying that, but it is. It truly is. And so what's your idea of success? What are things you've learned about when it comes to trying to strive for success? Like, has your idea of success changed over the past two, three years? I can't touch on that. Yeah. Um, for me, I think there is a really big difference between success and significance. And something that I strive for is significance, being that what you do stands for something rather than I guess, successful in, like, getting good grades or um, making a lot of money. Like, those are those are things that are great, that are helpful, I, I suppose. But truly, like, how is what you're doing significant? How does it better other people's lives? How is it um, meaningful? How is it important? And how is it impactful? How is it impactful? Sorry. So you're saying success is not just success, it's significance. So what's significance to you? And how you kind of redefined or have you got how did you get to that definition right there like how have you changed how has your idea of success changed over the past few years like being in college and seeing what success looks like give or take what does it mean to you and you're you're on the right track you're giving us like this is how I redefined it now tell me why or tell me how you got there do you think I've explained success yeah okay okay like I'm, I'm taking notes on what you're saying. So yes, you're, you're. This is not about what's right. It's about what you feel like saying. Doesn't have to. There's no right or wrong to this answer. Mm-mm. I feel like there's a difference between what I want to say and how it's actually received. Being said, who cares about how it's received? Yes. Then what? If if what you're saying is not received, then it's like. No, not no, no, no. You said how it's received, not the fact it's been received. It's just a matter of can some does someone agree with you or disagree? Mm-hmm. You can't you you can't control how people perceive what you say. You can only control what you say. So just say say what you want to say. Okay. A lot of my understanding of success um, and significance is stemming from my identity as a Christian, and that really was solidified last year, well, my freshman year in school when I just started thinking about what is really meaningful in life. And I came to the conclusion that what's meaningful is what God defines as meaningful. So tying into that point, something that I learned, am still learning and encourage other people to do is to truly focus on what's meaningful rather than on what's urgent. And I think that's something that in college um, and transitioning into college we do is focusing on what we think is urgent, something that we, what we think is that we need to do now of like, oh, I need to study now or I need to, I don't know, run. Like there are so many things that are just like urgent, seemingly urgent. But I think it's important for all of us to take the time to evaluate our values and what we find is meaningful in terms of our friendships, um, in terms of our own like mental health and stability. That yeah, studying seems urgent, but also your sleep and taking care of yourself is um, important as well. And another uh, piece of advice that I want to give is when you're here at college, I think it's really important for all of us to take the extra step to be vulnerable with other people 
because you can have all of these success stories, but if you have no genuine friends to share them with, to share the memories, to share the accomplishments, to share the um, hardships and the downfalls with, then it's a lot less successful. Yeah. Right? So yeah, just take that extra step to be vulnerable, to share how you're actually feeling, to ask people how they're feeling and to love on them and be genuine in when you're asking that, that you're not just passing someone, hey, how are you? Okay, don't care, gotta go somewhere, bye. <laughs> you know, um, I think that's something, having those meaningful conversations and those genuine friendships are something that really gets us through these tough four years here. Yeah, or plus, depending on if you're pre-med or if you're going for yeah. your master's, like, God help you. <laughs> At the end of the day. I mean, hey, no, you're you're absolutely right. And I feel like that's actually why I've changed my the way I ask people questions. Like when, I don't know if you've picked up on it, but whenever I ask people how they're doing, I don't say how you're doing, I say how you're feeling. Mm-hmm. That's that's the, that's that that little change, it, it throws people off slightly. It's just like, How am I what? Doing or feeling? I'm like feeling. It's a different question. So it, it, that's just a little just like those little one that's like one word change can make a difference. And so Taking the time to actually get to know people, that's how you make those genuine connections, but it has to start with you making the effort to do so. Yeah. So take that, guys, and hopefully run with it, run wild with it. Mm, That's why people gravitate to Hawa, because, no, truly, every time I'm around her, she just has a smile and caring and open arms that if I'm, like, having the worst day, I'm just like, okay, Hawa, give me a hug, please. I need, (laughs) you know? Um... (laughs) She's just there, and she's someone that I, like I said before, I aspire to be more like in the amount of love that she shows people. Yeah. <gasps> she gonna make me tear up on this A-suite. <laughs> you know, I'm shining. All right, sis. All right, with that, thank you so much, Jade, for coming on, for being an amazing guest. You've done so many amazing things, and I look forward to seeing you do many more things, actually. Like, if you don't mo- do more things, I'm... I, I won't believe it. If I don't see Jade like 10 years from now, like taking over, I'd, I'd be like, whew, that's not the Jade I know. Honestly, honest to God. All right, it says. Once again, give us your Instagram handle and your email. Okay. At Jade, J A D E 1126. That's my Instagram. And um, my email is JCT. 2169 at barnard.edu all thank you so much jade and thank you so much for those who are still listening i know this has been an amazing conversation and hopefully you've gotten the most out of it my name is hawa tankara once again best ever <laughs> if you have any questions for me personally please hit me up it's email eight sweet chats at gmail.com and an instagram handle is at eight sweet chats please hit us up if you have any questions concerns if you have any person you actually want to come onto the show, so if you have any like uh, guest recommendations, questions you want me to ask future guests, please feel free to hit me up at eight sweet chats on Instagram and then eight sweet chats at gmail.com. Either one will work. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.